Tonight we're reading from 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Would you stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word? This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. So tonight we're continuing the study of 1 John. And last week we really spent a lot of time talking about how uh, there were, for one, there were some secessionists. That is, people that were false teachers coming in, they left the church, were trying to get other people in these churches around Ephesus to leave the church as well. There's early form of Gnosticism. They were teaching that Jesus did not actually come in the flesh. They were talking about not having any sin at all, which is some really kind of ridiculous thing for, things for us to think about, especially in light of what we studied this morning, right? We looked at Genesis 3 and the fall, and we find that, hey, through Adam, sin spread to all men, right? That all of us, uh, men and women, by the way, are all sinners, right? And so we, we find it strange that these teachers would be teaching, well, we don't have any sin, and so we want to talk about that in the text today. Now, this is Sunday night. There are, I am going to ask some questions this evening. And so I would like you to participate so you can uh, answer from where you're sitting. And I'm going to start marking things off so we sit, you know, more in this section right here, right? I don't know if you guys noticed this morning, a big crowd in the back corner. And this side was pretty full. And then we had this big kind of open area. Now, it filled in a little bit when the choir came down. But uh, I just thought, we, we got everybody, we're, we're good Baptists in this church, right? We kind of know, you go all the way to the back, and when I get full, you start in the back corners, and you come your way down, right? We kind of leave the, the middle open. So we look at verse 5. Well, before we even get to that, last week he said, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, he comes and says, we were eyewitnesses to the truth. We know who Jesus is. We know what the gospel is. And so he says all that, and in verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. He says all this, I have proclaimed the message to you. We have taught you. Remember, John was a pastor there in Ephesus, and he keeps going around and saying, listen, we have taught you this, what we've seen and heard and touched, what we know is true, we're bringing that message to you. And so I expect when I get to verse 5, and he says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, I expect a really clear and nice, concise answer, right? Here's the message, and he just explains the gospel to us, right? Wouldn't that be nice? But it's not quite how John approached it in this verse, is it? I'm really shocked that, you know, when you read it, it says, This is the message we've heard from Jesus and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. 
Is that the message you expect out of that? I mean, if I think about it, if I decide I'm going to go through Forest Heights neighborhood and tell people the message of the Bible, and we're already doing a sermon series on the story of redemption, but if I went out there and said, hey, you know what, guys? God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. You think they'll understand the message completely? Not without probably a lot of help, right? Uh, because it's just not quite the answer I was expecting John to give. So how we look at, at how God is described in verse 5. What is He described as? What does it say He is? Light, right? Okay. So we all know what light is. Let me ask you this. Is God literally light? I mean, is God, He's like photons and light waves and He's traveling the speed of, of light. Is that the case? He created light, right? And, okay, so we're getting to a little bit to the next part of this, right? So he said maybe it's, there's some more, he's talking about moral guidance. And what are we talking about when it says God is light? So it's using a word picture, right? It wants to get us to think about what, it is, what would it mean for God to be light. So let me ask you this before we get into all of that. When you hear the word light, what do you think of? The opposite of darkness. What else? Contrasting good and evil, right? So there's different. So we think of light, we think of good, right? Purity, maybe. What else? Yeah, when there's light, you can see, right? You, can, you know where you're going because it's re- all things are revealed. Like right now, I can see Samuel in the back sticking his hand up. What do you want, bud? What is it? A lightsaber. All right. Well, that's right. Those lightsabers cut right through people. So maybe that's what it's talking about. I don't think so. But we think about light, right? Good, purity. How about safety? Any of you think about, you think about light and you think about safety, things are good. I, I know what's going on. All right, let's switch this around a little bit. What do you think of when you hear the word darkness? Yeah, okay, you can't see. All right, what else? Hmm? You don't know what's out there, do you? Like, there's just always this question. I, I don't know what's over there. I don't, I don't know what's under my bed because it's dark. All right? Yeah, you, so that's another one, right? When light, you know what's going. There's a light to your path. You know where to go. You know where to step. When there's darkness, do you know where to go? Not unless you know that place really well, right? What else do we think of when we think of darkness? There we go. Evil, right? Sin. When we, especially when you start looking at literature or the Bible, especially, when you start talking about darkness, you think about the kingdom of darkness, maybe. Evil, sin, Satan, all sorts of things we begin to think of with darkness, right? Any of you ever been somewhere that was so dark that you could not see your hand? In a cave, yeah. I went. 
A number of years ago, I went on a trip to, it was a mission trip to Pennsylvania, and there was a guy starting a, a church there in Minerstown, Pennsylvania, and one day we got to go down in one of those coal mines, and you go way down there, and the guy just wanted you to experience it, so they turned all the lights out. And it didn't matter, you could have stayed down there for the rest of your life, and you would never have adjusted to the darkness. I mean, you couldn't see anything, and it was just terrible. And it was, it's frightening, isn't it? Because you can't, you're helpless. Well, we get to this, into this verse, and it talks about, well, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Now, we want to go into Scripture in a minute and talk about that a little bit more, but you ever think that maybe God does illumine your path, right? That in God there is clarity, there's understanding, there's goodness, there is no evil, there's safety, it exposes evil, there's knowledge, there's purity, there's holiness, all that in, this, in the phrase that says, God is light. And then it says, in Him there is no darkness at all, so, hey, there's no confusion in God. Like, there's no mixed, there's no mixed message when it comes to who He is. Uh, there's no sin, there's no evil, there's no error, there's no ignorance or unbelief. If you're in God, you don't have the darkness, okay? And so it says, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Now let me ask you this, are there any, can you think of any other verses in the Bible that refer to God as light? All right, Allie's got one. John chapter 1, yeah. So we'll actually go to there in just a, a few minutes. But John chapter 1 started at the very beginning, and he talks about Jesus as being the light that comes into the world. And we're going to study that in a few minutes. Uh, any other verses you can think of where it says God is light? Here's what I did in my Bible today. I looked down at this verse, and when I got to the phrase God is light, there was a letter by that in my Bible. That letter is a cross-reference. It signals me if I look over to the side or wherever it might be in yours, it probably gives you a cross-reference to other verses in the Bible that refer to God is light. Anybody have that in your Bible? Yeah. What, anybody have another verse maybe that gives you? John 15, 11. All right, John 1, 9. Okay. Yep. All right, James chapter 1, verse 17, and 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, right? Those are the ones that my Bible give me. So let me... Um, how about this? Somebody turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, and somebody else turn to James chapter 1, verse 17. Your handout looks slightly different than mine. It's not printed on the page there for you, is it? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. I went and added a few more things this afternoon, so my notes look a little bit differently than yours. But to co So could somebody read to me 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16? Anybody there? Yes, so it talking about Jesus there, 
And if I back up into verse 15, it says, uh, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. You know, we don't get to see God in all his glory, do we? Moses asked, was he able to see all of God's glory? Just a glimpse of it, right? He just got to see a little. And even then, he had to be hidden in that cleft of the rock so he didn't get burned up. And so it says there God dwells in an unapproachable light. What about James uh, chapter 1, verse 17? Anybody have that? Zoe, read it loud. That's James 1, 17. Oh, oh, I thought you said 7. No, 17. I, I'm, I don't know what it means. I can't see it that well because I got it marked in red. You're fine. And I, I don't have it blessed. Well, you want somebody else to read it? Everything good, everything that's given to us, and it's just been talking about temptation there, and God doesn't tempt us, right? He, that's, when we're tempted, it's our own sin that carries us away. But then it says, every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With, and then it says, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There is no change in the light. You guys ever had one of those light bulbs? It just kept flickering, and it drives you crazy. God doesn't give off that light. He's a constant light, a good light. There is no darkness in him, no shifting shadow at all. Now, what about other verses? All right, those are just the two. I, I, I love checking cross-references. Okay, so John, she read John 8, 12. Okay. Okay, so come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. That was in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. So we have a, quite a few passages, and if you... Look on the back. Uh, there are actually more scripture listed in the New Testament. That, and we'll, we'll talk about a few of those in a few moments. But before we get to that, we're going we're to kind of come back to that in a minute, those other verses. But just talk about God and light. But let me ask you this. Look back at, we're back in verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 6. It says here, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It says there, we, if, if we say that we have fellowship with him, what does that mean to have fellowship with God? If you look back in the beginning, I think back in verse 3, 
It says he's telling them this so that they would have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That we have fellowship with the Father, we have fellowship with the Son, and we have fellowship with one another. So what does it mean to have fellowship together? Relationship, right? Yeah, that we are together. We're one on these things. We have a relationship. We're partners together. It can mean partner, anything held in common. We've talked about this some on uh, Sunday morning a few months ago, what fellowship meant. But there's a, these bonds between us. You know, in Ephesians it says there's just one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and we're all called into the one body of Christ. That we're supposed to be one. Jesus said, I and the Father of one, are one. He prays that we would be one with Him as well. That we have a real relationship and fellowship with Him. So saying if somebody says that, hey, I have fellowship with God, and yet they walk in darkness, what does it say that they do? It says they're a liar, right? It says they lie and they do not practice the truth. So let me ask you this then. What does it mean to walk in the darkness? Okay. Yeah. What else could it mean? I mean, that's, that is certainly part of it. We're out, you're out of God's will. What's another way for saying you're living outside of God's will? What are you doing? What was that? All right, you're a non-believer. Yep, that's... You're choosing to sin. When I think of... All right, let's say, hey, somebody says, how's your Christian walk doing? What are they talking about? If they ask about your Christian walk. This is, that's Christian language we use sometimes that people don't usually understand. If I talk... What was that, Allie? Your relationship? Yeah, and... What I mean by, hey, how's your walk? I want to know how you're doing and your, maybe your personal disciplines. Are you reading the Bible? Are you going to church? How's your prayer life? Are you living deeply in sin? Are you really struggling right now? Where are you at? Because when I think of walking, I think of activity. Right? It's something that you do. How are you characterized? Here it says, if you... Say you have fellowship with Him, and yet you walk in the darkness, not with knowledge, but not with holiness and purity and those good things, but with sin and evil. It says you make Him out to be a liar, right? You're not practicing the truth. And so that gets, it gets kind of difficult, though. You ever said, hey, I'm a Christian, but then you didn't feel like it? And that's a real question that people struggle with sometimes. And I think that we have to be careful with how sometimes we approach these verses because what I don't want you to do at the end of the day is go, you know what? I messed up. I sinned. And there's people that really struggle with different sins, and we all do at different times. And the, the question is, hey, if I'm struggling with sin today, does that mean I'm walking in darkness and out of fellowship with God? That's a tough one. And I don't think that's what John means. And I want us to get into the, the details here. Uh, but we want to know then, what does it mean? Look down at verse 
Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. I, again, I'm still kind of asking the question to myself, right? Okay, if I walk in darkness, I don't have fellowship with God. If I walk in the light, Jesus' blood covers my sin. And so I've been talking a lot about us being justified by faith, right? And I wonder, does this contradict that? In other words, is it not just I've got to have faith, but I've got to have a changed life? Because that's how I hear this taught sometimes. And there is a genuine question, right? When, when they are told, hey, you need to repent and believe. And the truth is, repentance and belief go together, right? It's repenting first of that unbelief. But shouldn't it overflow a little bit into a changed life? I think it should. But there's some things we have to continue to ask ourselves, right? Does that mean then every time I fail or Stephen fails that, well, maybe he's not saved? That's not what it's saying, is it? And so let's get to the bottom of this. Verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Go back. What does it mean to walk in the darkness? It's unbelief, ignorance, to be outside the will of God in a way that you are seeking that. It's intentional, right? And it doesn't mean that you never sin because he tells us right here, if we say that we have no sin, then we're deceiving ourselves and the truth isn't in us. Remember I told you these false teachers were saying they didn't have sin. And he's telling them, if we say that, if anyone, if I stand up here on Sunday morning and say, I don't have sin, you need to fire me as soon as the service is over. In fact, you probably shouldn't even wait Till the service is over, okay? Uh, because you guys know that's wrong. Now, most things, hey, please correct me afterwards. It's fine. We can talk about it. But, you know, you understand what I'm saying. If someone actually comes in and says, listen, I don't have any sin. Anybody ever been told that? I have. I, I remember multiple times working with different people, working side jobs during the summer. And I would, get, I would be talking to them and, well, I'm not a sinner. I don't sin. And sometimes they, their theology was really strange and some of the things they would say. And they're also the first ones to say that if you do sin, you lose your salvation. And I, I just did, I couldn't understand it because I know my heart. And I know what Jesus said. And if you look at that woman in lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you hate your brother, you've murdered him, right? And that the sin is, it's in here. And if it's in there, I can't stop all of it. Sometimes I'm going to sin. Now, that's not an excuse for sin, right? It's not an excuse for acting on sin. But what Jesus was pointing out to them is, you need help. You need a Savior. And John is telling them, 
Look, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if you come to Jesus and say, I am a sinner, would you save me? Guess what He's faithful to do? Save you. To cleanse you. To make you right. Uh, so I think it's very important that when we ask that question, hey, is our salvation conditional? Is it based on our works? The answer is no, it's not based on our works. But I like that First John begins to balance this out. And there are things that you can look at and go, you know what? If you want to be, have some assurance of your salvation, walk with Him, serve Him faithfully, and it does build up your soul. It edifies you, right? He continues to work through you, and you want to let Him work in you. Because there's some hard, hard passages. When you, when we, as we continue to read this book, it's going to focus on loving God and loving neighbor. When He thinks, says things like this, though, the one who says, I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Isn't that kind of tough? Because we don't always keep His commandments. And so as we walk through, continue to walk through this, we're going to continue to balance out. Listen, we are saved by grace, justified by our faith in Him. But we also want to be realistic. And we want to understand that Jesus does want to bear fruit in us. He wants us to abide in Him so that He can do great things even through us. Now on the back of this handout I gave you. There is some more scripture. Well, you do see 1 John there. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 13, it talks about Jesus being the light. Verse 6 says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about that light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But listen to this. But as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The light came into the world. How do you get in that light? You believe in him. He's calling you to come in. So if you look at that chart that I gave you, there's a little, little diagram that I just kind of put together. And if you're in the light, if you're in that circle, right, you're in the light. And what that means, you come into the light through faith, through your belief. You see the truth. You understand the gospel. You recognize the truth of who you are. You have fellowship then with him. Your sin is exposed and we're going to read that in just a minute. But your sin is then confessed because it's exposed, it's forgiven, we're cleansed from righteousness. It's good to come into the light. But why don't people come into the light? Why do they stay in the darkness on purpose? Why do they choose to stay in the darkness? Why don't you look at John chapter 3. It's there on your page if you want to look at it there. We all know John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look at verse 19. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. You guys hear what that said? Why did people choose not to come to the light? They were doing evil deeds. There's sin, and we don't want people to know about it. We don't want God to know about it. We probably don't even want it to admit it to ourselves, right? It says there, very clear, the light came into the world and men loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that kind of just sad? But isn't it the reality that we live in? That the answer is to come into the light. Let your sin be exposed. Stand before God as the sinner you are and ask Him to save you. Because when you come and do that, then that blood of Christ is applied to you and you are rescued and you are saved. And John 3.16 is a good message for you and not one of despair and hopelessness. So the question is for us, and if you read these and read those other verses uh, on your own, but God is light and he's good and he's asked us to come. So just to, again, take a look at that chart. If you're in the darkness, you don't have fellowship with Him. You know why? Because you stay away. God, you know in the story of the prodigal son, and the son goes and he squanders all his possessions. When he comes back, what does the father do? He runs, says he runs to greet him. Right? Men didn't run. For those kind of things. Instead of like sitting back and going, I can't believe that sinner came, God runs to those who have been lost because they've turned around, because they've come back. And Jesus, God, He says, Don't stay in the darkness. God is light. Come to the light. Then it says, You know, if you stay in the darkness, your sin is hidden. We don't want it to be exposed, we hide it. And you can't do anything about it if you hide it. There's no confession of sin in the darkness because you don't think you need it. You don't even admit that you've sinned. You make God out to be a liar. He's the one that's told us there's no one righteous, not one. No one who seeks God. And he tells us that, and if we say, I haven't sinned, or I don't sin, we make God to be a liar. Can you imagine anything worse? You know what they're going to talk about later? The spirit of the Antichrist. And that's part of it, making God out to be a liar. So anytime somebody tells you that, be very, very careful. Outside of, if you stay in the darkness, there is no forgiveness. But if you come into the light, He is ready to forgive. As we go to the invitation tonight, let's, pray, let's just pray and ask God to shine His light in this community. Because He still illumines the hearts of men. He shines the light out of the darkness. So we need to continue to pray for this church and continue to pray for this community.
Let's pray now. God, I thank you that you are light, that in you there is no evil, there is no impurity. Father, if we would come to you, you are good. You show us the right way. You have provided such a great salvation for us that the very blood of Jesus pays for our sin, that we are covered, that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I thank you for that. Father, tonight, if there's anyone here who has never called on you to be saved, Father, I pray that today would be the day they would come into the light to confess their sins and tell you that they're a sinner and ask for Jesus' blood to save them. Father, I pray for this community. I pray, Father, that those who still dwell in darkness, who still are in darkness in this community, would be offered the light, that we would go and take the good news of the gospel to them. And Father, I pray that when we do, rather than hide so their deeds would not be exposed, God, that they would run to you. Because we know that you're faithful and just to cleanse them, to welcome them into your family. Father, even now I pray that the Holy Spirit would go before us in the Forest Heights community, into Nottingham across the way, into the church across the road, Father, over to Breckenridge and the areas around us. God, I pray that you would move in Athens, that there would be a work of revival among the churches. Father, that you would strengthen the people who are here, those who are calling on your name and worshiping you in churches around the city today. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict men of righteousness and sin and the judgment to come. And Father, I pray that men would be ready to turn their hearts towards you. Father, and I pray that you would send us as your vessels, as your instruments. God, would we be your ambassadors here in this community? Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.